0: Thank you, Christy. <clears throat> All right. Um, so we read this story about Elisha. Uh, he is—he's circled by bad guys at this point who want to kill him, and his servant uh, tells him, "What are we going to do? We're hopeless. Look, we—we we can't do anything. They're going to take us." And he says uh, that. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I can imagine that his servant is like, All right, well, Elisha's lost it. Uh, Which way should I run? I guess I'll just run opposite of him, and I'll probably be good. Um, And then he prays that he sees, and I just imagine this in, like, a movie. And just thinking about the silence and kind of the dread that the producer has built up here and the hopelessness, and then all of a sudden he says, Fear not. They that be with us are more than that that's with them, and then all of a sudden, like the orchestra opens up, and you see these flaming chariots just circling and and just popping into vision here, and it's like gives you chills, like just the power of that. and And the Bible talks so much about the unseen realm versus the seen realm, and that it is real, and that He is there, and He is fighting for us. And I just think, I just think that's such a cool story, and and uh, how cool, and how how much of a climax that is in this particular instant instance. But it's interesting how you have two people in the exact same situation, but they have completely different perceptions of what's going on at this point, right? So if you show that first picture here, kind of a similar similar thing here. Oh, one more. There we go. So they're both looking at the exact same thing, but they're seeing totally different things. It's a six. It's a nine right? So it's interesting how we can do that in all of our lives, in in everything that we see and do. We can all look at the exact same situation or object or something, but we can see totally different things, right? And it's because we have different perspectives. And so how important is that perspective? Well, I would rather a nine in my bank account than a six, right? And so uh, it can make a big difference depending on the topic and what that perspective is and what you're looking at. So... Perspective is so huge, so that's what we'll, we'll be talking about today is perspective and, and just the importance and that we need the correct perspective in, uh, in every day. Um, so when we're thinking about perspective, we have our perspective as fleshly individuals, humans down here on this earth. Um, if we look at Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and your and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he, it's nice when God is clear, right? And he is clearly saying right here that, um, I mean, just maybe you can tell me how much higher are the heavens than the earth? Lots, right? You can't really even say because space is infinite. Heaven is above space. You can't even say because it's so incomprehensibly different. His ways are uh, higher than our ways, just uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth. It's incomprehensible to us in our current state and our current nature to even comprehend his ways compared to our ways. And um, to kind of illustrate this a little bit, think about, try to really think all of the history of the world, of the earth, and humanity Think about if you could trace every single interaction and, and instance from you right now all the way back to Adam and Eve, and think about how many things had to merge and come together, and someone had to trip on their way to the watering hole to meet a woman who got married, and that perpetuated your line, and all these crazy events that all ended with you sitting in the seat here today, right? Right? Isn't that crazy to think? What's even crazier to think is that God sees that entire timeline at once. It's not him saying, okay, I'll make this happen, and then this, and then this, and he's working through it uh, chronologically. He just sees it. It's just there, and it happens, because it's all according to his will, and he's sovereign over everything that happens. And So it's it's unbelievable how much different his perspective is than ours, and we really can't comprehend it at this time, but we can attempt and we can grow closer to that understanding. Um, another illustration or another uh, verse here, Second Peter 3, 8 through 9. It says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One day in in our viewpoint is as a thousand years to him, and a thousand years in our viewpoint is as one day to him. Again, incomprehensible to our mind and our current state, right? It's just, but it, it shows you that he is so elevated above everything as the creator of everything, and that's where we need to have him and keep him because nothing can even come close to encroaching on his place in the order of precedence of creation, because he is the creator, right? Um, so there's kind of so we, I've got my three points, and I'm getting better. I've got two of them alliterated, but the third one I couldn't couldn't do. I thought about putting a, a P and then just the word, just so that it it just alliterated, but it didn't make any sense. Um, but uh, I'm getting there. So, um, but there's there's my three points, but there's also there's these two points on the ends, the goalposts here, that I think are the, the crucial parts and the main things that I think that we need to take. One of them, I'll give you up front, but then we've got to build the suspense so that you guys have to stay and you know so um, So the first is that we can't even begin to follow God if we don't have the right perspective. So because we have a fallen perspective, we have a sinful nature. Are, we are sinful uh, because of our fall from Adam and Eve. Um, and from that fallen perspective, what I mean, what do we generally think? We think that we're generally good. Like well, I'm better than Hitler, right? So in relation to him, I'm good to go. and I haven't killed anybody, and I haven't done all these things. I'm, in general, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, one time I gave to charity and I gave a homeless man some money, so I'm doing pretty good. The problem is is that God then gave us the law, and then that kind of crumbled our whole world and our whole viewpoint of ourselves, because as it turns out, we've all lied, and we've all uh, not kept God first in our lives, and we've all cheated maybe in our mind, and we've all murdered maybe in our mind, and um, maybe we haven't always honored our mother and father. But So then all of a sudden it turns out, oh, maybe I'm not quite as good as I thought. It turns out I am a sinner, and unless you have that perspective, then you have, no, you have uh, no knowledge of a need for a Savior because you're generally a good person. Why would I need a Savior? I'm doing everything right. I am I'm keep going like I'm going, and I've got this uh, life thing pretty well handled. But then, again, we've got two people looking at the same thing, seeing completely opposite things. One says, I'm generally good. One says, I'm hopelessly bad, and I'm in need of a Savior. And the only hope that I do have is through that Savior who died for my sins. And unless you come to that realization, you can't begin to follow God rightly because you have elevated yourself to a position that doesn't need God. And so we can't begin to follow God rightly unless we have that right perspective. And it's interesting um, Brother Stephen on your message today A lot of the things he said throughout A lot of the points that I'm going to talk about Kind of bounce off of everything he says And I think that's because This this idea of perspective It's, it's intertwined Through the entire Bible And through every biblical principle Because it's so important that God emphasizes over and over How our perspective is wrong Now we see through a glass dimly um, And we're, we're fallen, his thoughts are above our thoughts, uh, days is a thousand years, he points over and over that our perspective is not the right perspective, and we need to continuously search for and reach for to be closer to his perspective and how he sees things. Um, and why is that the right perspective? Because he created this. So his perspective is really the only one that matters, right? So, um, so that's one of the big points. We have to have the right perspective. And... Um, but today we 're going to talk about three different areas in um, that kind of boil down where perspective is particularly important and the first is peaks and valleys. so this is talking about you know our successes and our failures, um, our trials and tribulations and um, one of the things i 've thought about is i 've kind of thought about this idea a lot and and chewed on it and molded over, and I th- kind of think of it a little bit in terms of um, Whenever... So part of the reason that the United States Air Force is so dominant compared to other countries' air forces is because we don't fly just to fly. Other countries kind of just go up to fly. And they just go and they'll like, kind of play around. But they don't go with a, a specific goal in mind and a, an objective to, ch- to achieve. And then whenever they come down, they're like, all right, nice flight, and then they go. Also, not, as many have, not many countries have the money we have that we can fly as much as we can. But, um, but I think it's more so that mentality. When we go fly, we have a specific goal in mind and a specific thing that we're trying to achieve. When we land in the fighter world, it's common to have mul- multiple hours of briefing. And then because you're limited on gas, you only have about a one-hour flight. And then you have like a six-hour debrief. So for a one hour of actual flying, you've got about 10 to 12 hours of brief and debrief sandwiched on both sides of those. Other countries don't do that. But the thing is, is that we go out in the brief, we determine this is what we're striving to achieve, this is what we're practicing, this is what I want you to do, you to do, you to do, do, here's what I'm going to do. We establish all the contracts, we go fly it, we come back, we debrief, and then we say, we go in painstaking detail through every little step of the entire flight, and we say, okay, this was our objective, and usually you have three listed out. Did we achieve this? Yes or no. Yes or no. Second, yes or no. Third, yes or no. And then we, if there's no's, we say, why did, was that not achieved? And then you do a deep dive, and you go through each person's perspective, and you say, did you deviate from the contract that we set in the first place? Um, was there some external issue that changed how you executed? And basically, you just spend all that time focusing on why things did not go as you planned. And I think that because we have that feedback and that, that deep dive in our debrief on why things didn't go as planned, that's why we can next time go out and learn from our mistakes and we can execute as we should. And over a continual process, we can execute and elevate our execution higher and higher. Other countries don't have that diligence to to go through that that process because it is pretty painful. I mean, I don't I'm not a fan of talking and one hour of flying. Right, twelve hours talking, one hour flying. It's not a good ratio. So, um, but in the same thing, in the same way, in our Christian life, uh, it's a lot harder to be strong in your faith and to stay faithful to the Lord. In your valleys if you haven't prepared for that ahead of time and um, when you're when you're feeling down and uh, things aren't going your way it's easy to you hear all the time about people saying they're mad at God and they walk away from God because how could he let this happen well what I would say is that in your successes in your high times or even even the plateaus that's where you need to focus most on the low points because you need to be prepared in that time for the low points that's why people stockpile food and everything in preparation for winter if in certain areas of the world Um, it's the same thing for us we need to spiritually stockpile in our success in our peaks so that we can handle those valleys as we go through them and as those uh those persecutions or or those hardships come toward us we have to be ready for it you're not going to be ready for it unless you're prepared for it so um, if we look at successes specifically in James 1, 16 through 17, it says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What this is saying is that no matter what we get, all of our successes, gifts, blessings, none of it's because of us. It's all from God he's the only he's the source of everything good in our lives and we need to keep that perspective in our successes because if we allow us to, or if we allow ourselves to start thinking that we have achieved this on our own merit anything whether it's our possessions or our uh, achievements at work or any of that now we're starting to elevate ourselves and our own ability and trusting in our own um, talents to get us to where we need to go when it says here that every good gift and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights he is the source of everything good from us not us so um we have to keep that right perspective in our successes at the same time in our failures uh second corinthians 1 3 through 4 Says, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. So here in our failures or our low times, um, it's t- it says that God is the God of all comfort and comforteth us in all our tribulation. So that's for right there we can stop and say that's comforting to know that he comforts us, right? That he's with us in those hard times. But then it goes even farther. He comforts us. Why? It's not for our own good. It's for the good of others. He's comforting us so that we can be a comfort to others in that, their time of trial. And so what that's telling me is that when these bad times happen and we see these trials and persecutions in our life, it's not because we, uh, we've made God angry or he's punishing us. It's all part of his sovereign will, and it's all used to further his will and his plan. This is an opportunity for us to have the right perspective to now help others in their walk and in their low times. And so even in our—we have to keep the right perspective in our successes, that it's not from us, it's from him— and in our failures, that He is with us, and that our failures are for a reason. They're not just—it's not just us alone in despair. Um, and so, keeping that right perspective keeps our faith strong and keeps our walk uh, continuing forward, and our and our growth continuing. It's crazy. I think I think about through my life. I've had so many times where something happens, and I think I'm really upset with the outcome, and I think I failed, and. Maybe I had a goal, and I didn't quite reach that, and I'm upset that it didn't happen. But I've been proven over and over and over so many times through these perceived failures that when I look back on them a few years later, all of a sudden I say, wow, I'm so glad that things turned out like that. Because no matter how things did turn out are so much better than what I could have imagined them doing with what I wanted in that instance. So just to give you an example, whenever we um, went through pilot training, at the end, you, you, get, you go to assignment night. And so I had gone, so you start out in one aircraft, and then you split, and the, usually, the, usually the top of the class will go to the fighter-bomber track, and then uh, the rest of the class will go to the cargo-tanker track. And so I went to the fighter track, and I was like, okay, I want to I fly fighter jets. I want to I dogfight I want to do the Top Gun thing. And um, so that's what I was shooting for. Well, at that time, fighters were so rare that you had to be not only good and top of your class, you had to be lucky too because they weren't giving these out hardly at all in this particular time. And it kind of goes in waves. And so, so I went, went up to my assignment night, and it's my turn. And then they hit the slide behind me, and then I look back and it says uh, special ops, and it was the picture of the airplane I flew, and I was like, you know, I, I feigned happiness, I was like, oh, all right, yeah, you know, but really I, inside, I was like, oh, I wanted a fighter, you know, that's what I wanted to do, and so I go forward, and and I really didn't even know what that aircraft did, that special ops plane, I was like, okay, well, hopefully it'll be cool, so fast forward, I go to my first deployment in Africa, and uh, one of my first missions, there was a dirt strip in the middle of Sahara that we weren't allowed to go to. That our commander said, "No, it's too dangerous. You can't go there." And we were all, as a pilot's, like, "You sure we can't go there? Like, let's try it. Let's just see what happens, you know?" And well, as it turned out, they kept asking us, "We need to go here. We need to go." And so finally, our commander said, "Okay, all right, we're going to go, but this is what this is how we're going to do it. We're going to mitigate risks this way." So I. I'm going, I get, uh, I get assigned on this particular mission. Uh, there's a, it's called a- anti-aircraft artillery. It's called AAA. And it's basically a big gun that shoots airplanes. And there was a sight of that big gun uh, near the airfield we were going to, but Intel, uh, Intel never knows anything. Uh, <laughs> they didn't know, They didn't know for sure if it worked, and if it worked they didn't know for sure if the people who had it knew how to use it but they knew it was there so we're like okay well let's roll the dice and see what happens so we're flying in and the way it was set up is there's like an airfield here and there's a village here and it's literally as you're flying up to it it looks like just the desert you don't there's no runway it's all dirt sand that you're landing on as you get closer you see that there's some half buried tires that are painted white and the tires painted are marking the runway, the runway that we have. And it was so cool because we have certain ways to get in and out of airfields, depending on the threat that we have, whether it's the, um, the anti-aircraft artillery or rocket-propelled grenades or guns, machine guns, handguns, that kind of thing. So we're going in, we do a um, tactical ingress, And so we're at 28,000 feet. We go idle, put the gear down. We go 45 degrees nose low, and we're within like two knots of maxing out our aircraft. And then we level off at 500 feet, land in the dirt strip, pull off. We call down. They push out a perimeter to get the bad guys away from us. We keep the engine running, kick everybody and everything off. I shut the door. We get back in. And keep in mind, there's that village here. We can't land coming in over the village because they've got the rocket propelled grenades and everything. We also can't take off over the village because they've got the same thing still. So we have to land coming in this way, and then we have to go down here and take off going this way. And so we kick everyone off, we get back in the plane, we take off, and then we have a a special departure that we do where it keeps us uh, safe as long as possible from the guns and everything. And we do that, and then we're up at altitude headed back, and I was sitting there, I was like, man, that was awesome. And I, it, this is one of those kind of foundational moments for me, strangely enough, I think, in Christianity, in my walk, because my mind immediately snapped to that drop. And I, and I was thinking, thank you, God, for you being in charge and giving me this, where I'm doing exactly what I trained to do for the reason that I trained to do it. I get to be with these special operations teams and see exactly the results of my my labor and my effort in real time, and then uh, and 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 I get to see all this and be involved and down there where the the action is, versus the fighter community. Especially at that time, they just trained because there's no other military that wants to fight our military because they're that good, right? In the air, dogfighting and everything. So the fighters they just train they and. I, I think I would get real frustrated with just training and not doing what you're trained to do, right? So, uh, and I just, what it drove and solidified to me is that God's plan is so much better than our plan. And I could have never planned that, but he knew where I should be and what was best for me. And man, so that's a long story to say, that has happened over and over to me, where I think it's a failure, and I look back on it thinking it's one of the greatest successes that I've had, and, and not that I've had, but that he has given me. And um, so... Um, well, now I lost it. Oh, even though I've had so many times where that has happened, I still, whenever I approach a perceived failure... I get frustrated that i'm not succeeding every once in a while my first response is going to be is excitement of all right let's see what god does i'm excited but i still get frustrated sometimes on on these perceived failures and i'm like man why is this not working out this is what i'm trying to do and i still have to even after seeing this over and over i don't know if this sounds familiar to maybe israelites or anything but i see this over and over and i still have to tell myself no he knows way better than I do. Yeah. i got to just submit and let his plan follow through. Yeah. And it, it, it's frustrating to have the failures. Then it's frustrating at your own viewpoint, and you have to talk to yourself and be like, no, submit. This is his plan. He knows best. And um, so we have to keep reinforcing that right perspective every day. Um, a couple just things that stood out in biblical examples of what if things didn't happen like they did. In um, Brother Brian's message uh, a week or two ago on Esther, something I was thinking about is um, he had mentioned, you know, uh, Esther had a few opportunities before she finally brought it up to the king to not kill all the Jews. And why didn't Esther tell him at that point? Well, then you, think, you see then the full picture with the right perspective here, and you see, had she done that, though God's will can be achieved by any means necessary the story has kind of this great ironic ending where Haman is killed by the very gallows he had made to kill his enemy and so had Esther intervened right at the beginning that full plan wouldn't have come to fruition and um and it's just interesting to see how these plans just work out um what about uh Isaac and Abraham Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac and when you're reading through that, you're like, why would you, he be asked to sacrifice his son? That's a horrible thing to ask of somebody. He goes through it. He has the uh, obedience and faithfulness, and he gets stopped at the last second. And what's the result of that obedience? Israel. So we get Israel, the promise of Israel and his Abraham's descendants from that one faithfulness. and had that not happened or not been allowed to happen, then that full plan wouldn't have come to fruition. And so it's just interesting to see when you have that perspective at the end that all those little things, you see how they all kind of work together for that great ending. Does that sound like anything you know? Someone who has the great uh, viewpoint of the end and everything is working together for the end of, for his great plan, right? So that's the first one, peaks and valleys. All right, second one, our provision. See that alliteration? We're on a good track so far. And then it's going to fall off the rails here in a second. But um, so our provision, having the right perspective in that provision, whether it's our finances or our time or our talents. um, We go back to this kind of idea that nothing is ours. And there's a a few verses here um, to go through that kind of drives home this point. So 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So he's saying here, nothing's ours. We brought nothing in. We're taking nothing out. Therefore, nothing is ours. Because he provides everything that we have while we're here on this earth, and he will be the provider of our everlasting life once we're with him in heaven. First um, Chronicles 29, 13 through 14 it says, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and I think this is a, I like this passage a lot. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. So he's saying, how, how am I even allowed to give to you? Because nothing is mine. This is all yours that you gave to me. So it feels insincere because all i'm doing is giving you back what you already gave me because right. everything is his and i think that that drives home that right perspective in that we're not here to gather and to hold and and build our kingdom because none of it is ours we're just put in charge of resources while we're here that he has given and to give back it should be with a joyful heart because it's our only way that we can honor him with our possessions because It's all his anyway, and so it's the heart that he's looking for because he doesn't care if he gets back what is already his, right? He cares about our heart and that we're doing it with the right motivations, all right? Uh, Psalm 50, uh, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Again, everything is his. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Again, everything is his. Um so having that right perspective that nothing is ours in our provision it's all his and then one step further how about our life is our life ours it's not because we're not promised tomorrow um it says in 1 Corinthians 6:19 through 20 it says what know ye not that your body is a temple of the holy ghost which is in you which ye have of god and ye are not your own For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's because you were bought with a price. And so even your life is not yours. It's only sustained because he allows it to be sustained. And it says very clearly here in scripture, your life and your soul are God's because he purchased you. So um, having that right perspective it's all gods it's nothing is ours and that can change your whole outlook on on things all right the great alliteration break the third the third point here focus all right if you want to it's a silent p so <laughs> it's like yeah it's uh it's like pneumatic so pneumonia um yeah <laughs> Yeah, P-H-O-U-C-S. That's right. Um, All right. So uh, having the right perspective in our focus. So just kind of a personal example here. Um, I remember when I went on my first deployment, that same one that I had the revelation of, wow, thank God that I am where I'm at and not where I wanted to be. Um, Before the deployment, now I'm young. I've never been on a deployment. I'm going to... um, Trying to make sure I can say this now, uh, Africa. I can now, uh, and he, and, and I'm going where there are terrorist organizations who are specifically killing Christians in, in all these places, and um, and that weight kind of hits you, and you have you have a moment where it kind of all becomes real, and you're like, man, I could die on this deployment. And I'm going to an actual threaten, threatening area. And uh, it's possible that I might not come home. And it's kind of sobering having that realization right there. But then you kind of learn to just bury it deep down and, and continue on and do your job. Well, then I have kids and a wife. And then I'm getting ready to deploy again. And now I have that same thought You, since I'm going on my ninth deployment this week. And now it's just old hat, I'm like, oh, man, I might die. Well, let's go. When's my flight? All right. Um, but then uh, a few deployments ago, now I've got kids and a wife. And it's not just me that might not return. It's I might not return to them. And so uh, I wanted to um, put together a a letter, basically. And it's I've got one for the kids and one for my wife. And I wanted it to, if I don't have the chance to you know, teach them what I want throughout their lives at all these milestones. I wanted to at least put down everything I could think of that I want them to hold important and to remember throughout their lives. Um, And it's kind of funny when you do something like that, you see what things are important to you. And um, it gives you that perspective of, you know, whatever. If they want to wear a pink dress and a blue tutu at the same time like that's not really what matters but what matters is those everlasting things and and you think about all the it it almost makes me feel like you know Solomon wrote Proverbs for his kid or that's is that right yeah Solomon wrote Proverbs for his kids to pass on that wisdom and that's kind of the mindset I had is I wanted to pass on everything I could think of that would be important for them as they grow up and that they have something to look back to and say, what was important to dad and what can I take forward? And um, so that that perspective, those kind of instances instances in life can shift your perspective and show you the things that are important and show you what your focus might need to be. The thing is, sometimes it's easy to get mixed up on what is important. And just like two people can look at the same thing and they can see totally different things. It's the same for us in our perspective, even if we're searching out rightly what we should have. If we look at Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so there are ways that seem right to us, and so we can be tricked still. And the only way to mitigate and try to avoid these uh slip-ups and pitfalls is to stay in the bible to be constantly checking your thinking and your logic against what the bible says because the bible gives you that truth and that right way of thinking Um, so it's it's one of those things that you have to guard against and that just because you think that it's important and you might have plenty of reasons why you might have that six perspective when you need to have the nine perspective and um the only way to try to root out what the right perspective is is God's word um, one of the big emphasis things and it, again another thing that I just I think about a lot and I think it's I think it's a very important concept to to really uh, ponder is this this concept of eternal versus temporal the temporary versus uh, forever in 2nd Corinthians four seventeen through 18 it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, our light affliction, he's not saying, he's not, he's not breaking out affliction and saying light, heavy, medium, He's saying light affliction. I take that to mean our lives, any affliction we have in our lives. Though we see it on relative terms, he sees it on an eternal scale, on an eternal perspective. And we can see, and and no doubt, there are some uh, afflictions that are greater than others in this life. But overarching in the viewpoint from eternity, they are light affliction. And they're, but for a moment... And what's the point of them? They work a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So these light afflictions, which we will have no more in eternity, they work to, to give us that perspective of how glorious God is and how bad things can be when he is not uh, the preeminent um, sure how to say this he is in control of everything but for a time he has left the world um, to work uh, within its own devices in a way if that makes sense overall he is sovereign overall but um, these light afflictions work for his glory and if you think about it when you're in eternity with him and you look back at this life how small will this seem at that point because this tiny few decades that we have here in light of an eternity, they will seem like nothing, but the thing that will remain is that we will know that it was not great and horrible and that there was affliction. We will know that it was bad, and we will see how amazing and great things are now, and we will see that, that, that change, and, uh, and that will bring even more glory to him because he rescued us out of that bad time, and now we're in eternity where we have nothing to fear anymore. And um, So I just think that's, uh, that's critical, that light affliction is but for a moment, and it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If we look at Colossians 3, 2, it says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Again, talking that eternal perspective versus the temporary. James 4, through four, uh, James 4 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away, vanisheth away. That life is so short in comparison to what we have to look forward to um, after this life. And you think about um, anything that you thought was important. I, I don't know, I just, first thing that comes to my mind is like projects in high school or college or school. Think about one of those that you were so stressed about and you were up all night. All nighter for a test or a paper or uh, whatever, and you were so worried and concerned, and I gotta get this done, I gotta get an A on this, okay? Think about how you felt there, and now think about today, how much does that grade on that paper matter for you today? It probably doesn't matter whatsoever, that one particular grade, right? It's kind of the same thing, is that you remember how bad it was, and you don't wanna experience that again, but it That doesn't matter now for today because it's such a small, insignificant part that's behind me. And um, the one thing that does matter for today is that you are putting your faith in God so that you can experience that eternity with him and not an eternity in hell. So perspective is so important. Um, We need it in our highs and our lows. And whose perspective is right? Again, like we said, we can see the same thing and see totally different things. Um, but the right perspective is always God's perspective because he sees all things at all times. And, that's, and he is in all times at, at this time, if that makes sense. He's Amen. running throughout. He's not bound by time and space. Um, and where can we learn about his right perspective, the creator of all things? It's through the word that he's given us to learn what he wants us to know for our time, our short time here before we join him in eternity Um, so to learn his perspective we have to read the bible and once we accept him and put our faith in him we now have the holy spirit that can also illuminate ideas and perspectives and keep our keep us moving in the right track and convict us when maybe we have the wrong perspective or we're taking the wrong steps Um, And so this perspective is so important, we have to covet it, we have to chase it, it is one of the most important things, because like I said at the beginning, uh, we can't even begin to follow God rightly, unless we have that right perspective, and um, if we go to Proverbs 4, 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Again, I love Proverbs in general, and This verse has always hit me that wisdom is the principal thing. It seems weird because you would think that he would say uh, Jesus is the principal thing or God is the principal thing or the church is the principal thing or something I would have thought that that's what he would have put as a principal thing. But he says wisdom is the principal thing. But the thing is, like I said, we can't even begin to follow God rightly unless we have the right perspective. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. And wisdom is a principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. What does perspective give you? It gives you understanding. So we get wisdom from God. We might know that it's wise to do this, but we might not know why it's wise to do that. Through that understanding, that's where you have that change of heart. It's not just a, I'm doing this because I know I have to. It's, I'm doing this because I understand why this is important and why this is right. And so perspective... Is that understanding from wisdom that God is giving you? So I promise you the, the last kind of big point, um, this last foundational thing to the right perspective. And what is the overall right perspective? In Romans eleven, thirty-six it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Everything in this earth, in this life, is for him, through him and to him he has given us every single thing and to him all the glory belongs our goal he has given everything to us and our goal is to glorify him in all things and that's that is the right perspective to have that that's why we're here is to glorify him so all right let's pray dear God thank you so much for allowing me to, to speak up here and I pray that uh, I delivered your message rightly and uh, and that it it helped at least one person. Um, I thank you so much for our congregation, and um, I pray that, that you continue to work in our hearts and our minds and give us that right perspective through, throughout our days and to convict us if we maybe uh, have a slight skewed view of, of a particular area that you're clear on in Scripture and that we stay in our Bible to really find those points and, uh, and move toward your right perspective, that the Holy Spirit moves within us and, uh, and that we are listening and obeying. God, I pray that our prime goal in our life is to glorify you and, uh, and that we take steps to make that happen all through the week. I pray that you keep us safe through the week and, uh, and every day. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you'll stand, uh, we'll have a moment of invitation. If the Lord's um, put some on your heart and you need to deal with it, uh, we have the altar here.